everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast on this ugly, rainy, almost Sunday. But we're going to have it's fun in studio. not a pool day, that's no, for sure. No, it's not a pool day, but we're going to have a lot of fun in the studio. we got everybody... A lot of times our guests don't know each other, and it starts off a little bit, I, I term it like a seventh grade dance, but as soon as we get some liquor into these folks, they're going to loosen up, <laughs> and we're going to have some fun. So who is the urban butcher? I keep hearing about him, but it's none other than uh, Cubano chef Reynald Mendizabel. Did no, I do it? he did D- not do it right. D- Say it right. Mendizabel. lost $20. Right, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> right, anyway. anyway, Chef Reynald, thank you. Uh, Tom Seatsuma called his uh, Silver Spring restaurant a carnivore's playground, which sounds like my kind of place. Chef's in to spill all his secrets for butchering, roasting, and more. And uh, speaking of meat, uh, you want to talk about pasture raised, you want to talk about gluten-free meats and poultry. poultry. Well, actually, one of the things that we thought was really interesting as we were discussing our next uh, person that we're going to interview later in the show was that Gluten-free meats are something that aren't, not all meats are gluten-free. And we're going to find out they're about not. that, right? No, they're not. It's really cool, anything. right? I'll Go ahead. Step on my foot and my mouth opens. That's I don't know true. anything about it. So, 1310. Wait, but you didn't say oh, Deborah. I didn't, say, I didn't, you didn't keep going. No, you didn't. Deborah Kimmelman Block and Emily Landsman are in from Coal Foods, and they're mm-hmm. going to tell us all about it. Yes. See, you interrupted and you threw me off. Well, or How you could just, you? like, go with How it. Dare, so that's but anyway. what our marriage is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1310 Kitchen and Bar in Georgetown uh, has to be awesome, I think, because its chef owner is Jen Cravato. Who we know from a long time we ago. We know from... Early Mountain Vineyards. Early Mountain Vineyards, yes. Right? She's a chef out there. Yep. Uh, and we also... I know Michelle Gaidan, her her, um, her uh, GM, GM and Sam mm-hmm. from Danaher, right? Way back when. Um, she used to be my client. I know. Just be nice, Jen. Okay. Okay. I mean, okay. Jen. Michelle. Michelle. Okay. Jen's out of town. Michelle's here. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. All right. All right. So you take a brewery. You add a bar. You add some board games. And voila, you have the boardroom. You add a lounge with champagne. And it's Ms. Peacock's Champagne Lounge, right? At the boardroom. At the boardroom. <laughs> there you go. So Mark and uh, and Kristen Handwerger are in. Uh, they're the owners. They're going to pour some champagne cocktails and talk to us about that. And their uh, GM, Ali, uh, I want to get it, Merdad. I did it. It was spelled wrong. I, oh, I was going to say, because if I looked at the spelling, I would not have said it that All way. Right, well, so there we go. Right. So he's in, and we're going to have some fun. First, we got Mitch Berliner on the phone from Central Farm Markets with a special guest. Are you there, Mitch? I am, and I do have my special guest with me. Mark Toygo from Toygo Farms. And by the way, I'm the ghost. going to say this once more. If I got to come down and separate you children, <laughs> know. You know, and you'll go to bed without dinner. That's hmm. enough fighting. Alrighty, so you're at the market today, even though it's not terrific weather, right? But everybody's it's, there. First of all, it's gorgeous. And to say it's crowded, it'd be an understatement. Yesterday mm-hmm. was definitely a washout. But today, it's beautiful, a little overcast, about 78 degrees, and the crowds are thick. Okay, so, great. Well, tell us what's – let's put Mark on the phone, and let's hear what Mark is bringing to the market. Sure, absolutely. Let's talk to Mark, a longtime farmer. His story is great. So here's Mark Toygo. And uh, take it away, Mark. One second. 
Hey, Hi, Mark. How are you? Uh, I lost you here. Mitch's technology is failing me. Mitch, okay. Mitch, Mitch can't spell technology. So <laughs> what have you got at the market today? Tell us what's going what? on with Togium. It's not Togio. It's Toygo. Oh, the Toygo. Sorry. That was Sorry. a Mickey. Yeah, that's quite Sorry. all right. I say it's, it's got a lot of O's in it, I understand. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> this is starting off really so, well. That's <laughs> uh, all good. Uh, so, you know, we're fruit and vegetable growers, uh, mm-hmm. organic and conventional. Uh, we've got heirloom tomatoes. We have tree-ripened peaches, white nectarines, um, eggplants, uh, corn, first apricots coming in after many years of getting froze out. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of nice, not lots of nice tree fruits and some great uh, organic vegetables. How much longer do we have for some of these tree fruits? Our latest ones are coming in just around uh, late September. Okay. Um, yeah. And what are some of the like what what are some of the things the produce that you have at market right now that like people should be getting this week or next week because it's almost over. It's uh, well, that would be the early like plums and apricots, a okay. lot of the early tree fruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we get into the main line of tr- uh, uh, summer stone fruits, of uh, nectarines and peaches, mm-hmm. and we'll have those throughout the rest of the year. But okay. a lot of the little small fruits, uh, you got to hurry up and gobble up because they don't stick around long. Right. And Mark, now. I got a question. In yeah. in what way, if at all, is climate change affecting your growing seasons? Well, you know, it's it's. It's sporadic. It's, I asked an important question. It's mm-hmm. always changing for us. I don't recall ever so much things, so many difficult uh, uh, crop years where we have uh, hail, we're getting drought, we're getting tons of rain. This year we had a very cold spring, uh, and last year we had extremely hot uh, summertime. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a difficult, it's difficult growing mid Atlantic, especially so much so. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, just keep growing them. They're all good. <laughs> well, thank you so much I, for I, joining I, us this morning. All right. I do. I have no choice but to keep doing it. So. All right. Good. All right. Well, everybody go to Central Farm Markets today and uh, and, and and shop now before yeah. the rain hits. Exactly. Shop now and shop often. All yeah, right. exactly. Thanks, all right. Mark. Thank Take you. Care. You all bet. Right. Take care, guys. All right. So that was Mitch. All right. So let's talk Let's talk to Mark and Kristen about the boardroom and Ms. Ms. P- Ms. Peacock's champagne lounge and all of that well f- first of all the idea for the boardroom i think is very cool it's it's a brewery it's a bar but you got you got a I, lot going on so tell us about your original uh idea like what you really wanted with it well first of all thanks for having us on the show this mm-hmm. morning mm-hmm. um i opened another boardroom in dc around six years ago um, but that one does not have a kitchen okay and so when looking for a second location uh in virginia that had a kitchen um, we stumbled on a spot that used to be a brewery, mm-hmm. so we inherited all the brewing equipment. So that's something that sort of fell into our lap. You're like, oh, this works. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, um, the the Miss Peacock Champagne Lounge is really a passion project. Um, Who is Miss Peacock? Miss Peacock is one of the characters from the board game Clue. So that's how right. it ties into oh, the board. I love that. Um, with the candlestick in the kitchen. Exactly. Right, exactly. Or with the mixer in the lounge. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, Chris and I would oftentimes go out to the Kennedy Center or some other nice event and get done around 1030. And have nowhere to go. And we'd say, well, let's just go get a glass of champagne and, you know, because it's a nice evening. Let's keep it elegant. And we really couldn't find any place, so mm-hmm. we built it. And uh, having had a boardroom, that sort of uh, decor and all that was something we knew. But having never done a champagne lounge, um, we drew on a couple different elements. Um, Kristen had some elements from Paris that are there. I'll let her tell you about them in a second. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, it's the first time in my experience we really had to bring in an architect, and we got Allison Cook, um, who's uh, highly with regarded in the yeah, bar and restaurant Core. business, um, and her folks from Core, and they were tremendous in sort of taking our disjointed vision for the champagne lounge and mm -hmm. making it tie into the boardroom and um, bringing it to life. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out more about that vision and how it got enacted a little later in the show. Right now, what we'd like you to do is make the cocktail. Well, I just want to know, was it your vision disjointed because you were drinking champagne at the time? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, so uh, do what are we having next? Okay, well, um, Ali is going to start us off today with a ginger bell. Okay. Um, and in the champagne lounge, not only do we have 41 different um, champagnes and sparkling wines uh, available, but also our cocktail list. Uh, everything involves champagne or sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. um, the ginger bell is something that um, involves vodka, mm -hmm. elderflower, um, some lime juice, some bitters, and some ginger beer, and then it's topped off with a sparkling wine. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll look forward to trying that. All right. I want to remind everybody we're live on Facebook Live now. The mm -hmm. fabulous Tessa Nellis has flown in from Hollywood to film us today. Mm -hmm. And uh, you look under Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I Nellis, on Facebook Live, and there we are. Mm -hmm. And you'll be able to see Chef Reynald, who is a colorful fellow with colorful glasses. Like yours, man? Do, yeah. No, yours are cooler. Well, we're going in Paris. No, no. Oh, bragging. Oh, He's already that. bragging. <laughs> yeah, so I early in the in, show. I got mine in Georgetown. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, I am ever diminished. Um, so, you know what? You brought in Cuban coffee. You brought in all kinds of stuff. Let's start, though, with you. You've got a pretty interesting background. Why don't you give us a bit on how you got from there to here? Oh, oh sorry. Yes. In the uh, how yeah, we going from actually into the microphone because it is radio. Come on, yeah. right there, uh, right here. Okay. Okay. So, what was the question again? Well, the question. Who are you? Who are you? Where do you come from? And I'm gonna take one of these now. Oh, wait. Okay. I I have I have my coffee in the morning. Yes. Okay. First, this is a cortadito. Okay. It's a Cuban. It's a kind of like a Cuban coffee. Well, Cuban coffee, which is like like a like a dark roast. Oh my and god, this that is delicious. Milk, and this is crazy addictive. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, that's the show, folks. <coughs> there we go. All right, right. so tell us a little Come bit on. about how you opened Urban Butcher. Well, let's over. start off with Cuba. Okay. How, did you, how did you become not. a chef and how did you get here? Yeah, that's, that's okay. I'm going to try to do the best I can in, 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 in less than 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. Less than 30 seconds? Yeah. Just, if you could just say something, that would be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, originally, uh, well, I came from Cuba in 1995. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a balsero, which balsero means the people who jump into the water in little raft. Okay. Uh, I made it to, well, the, I was rescuing the water. I was in Guantanamo a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I came to America. I'm a physicist and a mathematician. I studied right there. Here. I started cooking, and now I'm here. Okay. Wow. Done. So how'd you wind up at Urban Butcher? Well, I won myself dope there. Okay. Um, I opened Urban Butcher in 2013. Mm -hmm. um, what was your vision? Uh, it was not much as a vision of a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, when I came to the sea, I was, I was cooking fish for a long time. Mm -hmm. Then I was doing uh, Latin, pan Latin food, and I wanted to do meat. I haven't done it before. Okay. And while my time at Lima, we started curing some ham for ourselves, and then that evolved into an idea, and the, and the idea evolved into a restaurant, and that's where we are. Okay. All right. So, okay. but for people who haven't been to Urban Butcher, how about explaining like what's on the menu and what's available there? Well, we cook everything that have four legs, and okay. some things that have two legs. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, oh, wait a minute. People have two legs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so watch out. But <laughs> the the well, we, we Urban Butcher, the whole idea was a kind of like a hipper um, a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. And um, we 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 do we we took the idea of a steakhouse, which is like a super American idea, and I and I love personally. I eat a lot of meat, and we tried to kind of like put it in the in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how does that? How do you do that? How do we do that? Uh, well, we changed the we changed the the atmosphere completely. Okay. Know? The music's different. The vibe is different. I mean, the, the traditional steakhouse. On top of that, I love charcuterie. So we have a huge charcuterie program. Mm-hmm. So the animals come home, we process them, we cure them, then we have a curing room that everybody can see while you're having dinner. So you break down everything at the restaurant? Everything, and we eat everything, mm-hmm. yeah, even the head. Mm-hmm. And so we have a huge charcuterie program, and we have a, a regular aging program. But mm-hmm. we take that to the extreme. I mean, we, our, our steaks are, are uh, aged for 60 days. Mm-hmm. Then we pack it in salt for thirty days. Mm-hmm. So by the time by the time they start to they go to your plate, it's ninety days of work onto okay. that. Onto oh, that you state. had me at ninety days. Mm-hmm. I bet that's good. Oh, it is. Right. Yeah, it's like it that. Is. All right, you know we, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to hear about the meat mountain. Oh yeah. Right? Okay. okay. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're talking about uh, a meat mountain. We'll find out what that is <laughs> when we get back. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to the urban butcher, Chef Reynald Mendizabal. I did it. You did it. I did it, baby. <laughs> did he, he do it? got a great place. I did do it. Okay. In Silver Spring, that's meat, meat, and more meat. And if you ask for meat, you'll get meat. Tell me about the Meat Mountain, which sounds like it sounds like one of those seafood towers, but made of meat. Yeah, well. Is that it? The whole thing started with a challenge between my son and I. We eat meat. So we started like. How old is this kid? Uh, he's 20. I'm oh, really so glad we didn't bring in, like, caring uh, over compassion or something like that today <laughs> with all the meat talk yeah. in here. No, so when, we were, when I was opening the restaurant, I mean, we, uh, we lived together, him and I, and we, we didn't have time for cooking. So we used to, we, what we owned in the house was a, a big tray and a peloton. Mm-hmm. So we go to the grill, we pack a lot of meat, we put it in that tray, and we, ate, we, didn't, have, we didn't have to do dishes. Nice. So. Okay. So one day he came back from Philly. He says he's 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 at Temple. So he came back from Philly and said, "Dad, uh, man, you remember how we used to eat? What don't you do here?" And then actually it was his idea, not even my idea. Mm-hmm. So then we start piling up and Just then to stack it up. We start piling on meat. So you get you get to taste our sixty days uh, ribeye. You get to taste sausages, lamb, pork. Can two people really eat all that? I kill it myself. I think I can eat it. I kill it myself. I think I could eat okay. all of it. You eat like a bird. I do not eat like a bird. You that is like totally inaccurate. Not going to happen. But I'll be there. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. You're opening up a Cuban social club called El Sapo, also in Silver Spring. Yes. Which is where this coffee is going to be served. Yes. Right? This coffee. And actually, I brought you one more thing. I brought you okay. pastelitos. So we usually have it with coffee in the morning. I already drank my coffee. <laughs> but uh, well, I go do with champagne too. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is not champagne, but these drinks are go delicious. Ahead, yes. Mm. And um, so El Sapo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us about the concept. So uh, first, I have to tell you how happy I am. Because mm-hmm. uh, how happy are you? Mm. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the I, I'm 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 Cuban. Mm-hmm. And no. 
man. Let me do my thing. Okay, sorry. I, I, I plan it up. I, I you sure you're not from the Bronx? I woke right. up and rehearsed this. Okay, okay you're doing a good job. Okay. Sorry, we'll let you go. No, I, I've been I've been in the I've been cooking for 20 years, mm-hmm. and then and mm-hmm. I. And I've been getting mm-hmm. ready all this time to do my own culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So finally, I get to do, you know, I get to represent my people, which, you know, I love. I doesn't matter how far away or how long I've been, I'm, I'm deeply rooted Cuban, mm-hmm. unmistakable Cuban. And finally, I get to do, you know, I get to do my own thing, which mm-hmm. is my culture. So I'm very excited about it. Um, and we are going to put a lot of, Passion and how work into it. But what will we get to do there? Will yeah, we what, play cards and? What's the feel of the place and what <clears throat> kind of food will you be serving? Well, it's gonna be. Um, These are delicious. The the, the the food is, the menu is rooted on tradition. It's mm-hmm. completely rooted on tradition, but it's unmistakably cute. Mm-hmm. Um, half of the dishes is literally what I ate. What you're eating right now? What was my breakfast every day? This is like sort of like a Millie Fiore, isn't it? No. Um, it's, it's like great. a puff pastry like with guava, guava and guava. cheese. Yeah, guava is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. So half the menu is what I ate mm-hmm. either at home or in the street of La Habana when I was growing up all the way. You know, Half of the food is, you know, it tells my journey as a cook, but always going back to my roots. Okay, and when's the restaurant opening? We are shooting for the second half of August. And where in okay. Silver Spring exactly? It's in the corner of uh, Wayne and Fenton. Okay. Oh, right. It's in the new building. And is it going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Or when are you, yeah. like, yeah? Well, we're going to start with the uh, dinner, definitely, okay. um, and the Cuban brunch on Sundays. Okay. We're also going to have a mojito happy hour every day mm-hmm. and something we call Havana night. So at, at around 9 o'clock, 9.30, we're going to slow way down, put some boleros, hang out. I think it's going to be a lot... There's gonna be a lot of expats going there, and you know, sure. it's, it's gonna be like a like a reminiscence. But because the place is nothing about reminiscences, the whole place is my dream of what what La Habana would have been in two, 2018. Okay. So you're not gonna see old cars. Isn't that we are? We don't need to remind ourselves of that. We are moving forward. Excellent. Are you going to be wearing your cool glasses? Oh, yeah, man. All, All the time. Right. Well, then, okay. yeah. All right. Let's Thank see. you What's so the, much. The Urban Butcher is where in Silver Spring? Urban Butcher is in Georgia Avenue, mm-hmm. um, right of Ripley. And it, the El Sapo will be three blocks away. Awesome. Excellent. Right, thank you so in. much. And this thank you. Great. This is so delicious. And I don't drink coffee, but the coffee was you like a dick. I may be well. drinking coffee now. It was delicious. And putting a champagne cocktail. Yeah, can I, can okay. I get my champagne now? Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Go Thank ahead. Let's do a toast. <laughs> okay. To, to life. Cheers. There we go. To Cheers. All Cheers to all the new things. Thank Michael you. Michael Cohen coming Cheers, out. Okay. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. Wrong show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. All right. So, uh, uh, Ali, where are you? So, this is delicious. Yeah. We already heard what was in it. No, no, no. they talked about it. Do you just sit around and kind of like a you know mad scientist and mix things up to see how they taste pretty how much with this? pretty much uh, mm-hmm. just come up with different flavors and uh, you have to add champagne to it so it kind of makes it a little difficult but you know you have to come up with that makes it difficult for- because yeah. you, do you add champagne to yes, every cocktail every single cocktail no so let me ask you a question when you're adding champagne to a cocktail you don't have to use like the finest of champagne so like does it change like do you use different champagnes in your different cocktails based on the complexities of the champagnes? Or are you like, I don't want to, like, you're not going to spend, like, use a really expensive champagne if you're going to mix it in a cocktail? 
only for specific cocktails. For example, we're gonna we're bringing out a new menu which is called Prosecco Pops. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll try them later. Mm-hmm. We use Prosecco for that. Mm-hmm. But no, the quality of the champagne does not really matter once you mix it with alcohol. Right. Hold on one second. Okay. Oh, ladies. Yes. Come on okay. over to the mic. All right. So, what are you gonna be making next? Uh, my old Kentucky Rose. Okay. It has bourbon, uh, hibiscus rose syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, a squeeze of lime juice okay. topped with champagne. That sounds fantastic. Okay, while you're making that up, we're going to get into... Yes, we're, we're you want to say something? Go right to, ahead. Not to interrupt, but... Um, well, I, but you I just did. But show, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <on this> <laughs> um, but since I have... Um, yes. I do want to... We, we do have to um, adhere to a few rules since we are a champagne lounge. And I okay. just want to clarify that um, only sparkling wines from the champagne region of France can be called champagne. Right. Yeah, we know. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, most people so, do know that champagne can only be from that region right. because of, of but, how it's designated. Okay. But in your champagne lounge, you pour both have champagne and sparkling Cava wines. Cava and Prosecco and right. sparkling wines from all over the world. Okay. So I just want to clarify that um, I'm not sure if any of these cocktails actually has champagne in it. Sparkling. We just use it. As a that's catch-all all right. term, Mrs. So. Peacock doesn't know who did what. Yeah, that's where. okay. So no, out. and I appreciate yeah. the clarification. Okay. okay. All right. So Devorah Kimmelman Block and Emily Landsman are in from Cold Foods, and I, I guess Devorah, you're the founder, right? Yes, yeah, she is. So why yeah. don't you do the the kind of the background on Cold Foods and the the what and the why? Sure. So I founded it actually ten years ago. Um, I'm I'm here in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um. It's a grass-fed kosher meat business. So we have, and we also have lamb and chicken and turkey and duck and mm-hmm. and some salmon. And I really found it. It's it's like it's a business, but it's an activist vision. Okay, so um, yeah, because I'm sort of curious. How did you get? Yeah, because you're not it? a farmer. You're, you're not a farmer, right? No. So, how did this happen? Well, um, my interest really revolved around how animals and the earth and people all can work together synergistically mm-hmm. um, to kind of benefit us all. So mm-hmm. um, we had, and I was looking for a kind of a, a grass-fed meat where you know your farmer, you know where it comes from, sort of a farmer's market kind of meat mm-hmm. that's kosher. And, and was and, that hard to find? Yeah, you can't find. There isn't okay. anything like that. Fascinating. So um, you would think, given the restrictions on kosher meats in general, that that would be a part of it. The naturally, you, you know mean what I mean, the, like pastured raised, like healthier no. am, animals. Do, do you, you know what I'm think. saying? Yes, yeah, and that's no. not the case. Okay, that's <laughs> it's fascinating. It's still all about the Benjamins, right? It's well, a, it it starts at slaughter, so it, mm-hmm. it makes no difference how the animals were raised. It, it, the the mm-hmm. kosher process and definition starts at slaughter. Well, let's so, start what the kosher process is yeah, for those who don't what know. What that means? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way that they're slaughtered and what happens afterwards. Okay, so, so what happens it afterwards? It has to it has to be like basically slaughtered by a rabbi. And in a certain way, and you know, lots of years of training, mm-hmm. and lots of like special infrastructure that's set up in you know. So basically, you have to go to particular slaughterhouses that right. have that in- infrastructure. And um, what do they do exactly? What is the infra? I mean, in other words, what exactly happens? But there it- is a way to the slaughtering is done a specific. It's way. It's done a specific way, right. and and then there's a process of um, like. Soaking and salting, this is called koshering, mm-hmm. and um, and that's all kind of maintained by the rabbis that are there, and all watched. The whole thing is watched the whole way, 
and um, does not pay to come into this world as a cow or a lamb or a... okay but so anyway so so okay so this is how kosher this is what is that's considered what kosher, kosher is. food but mm-hmm. it is uh, kosher meats and yeah. poultry etc but so there was no grass-fed or pasture-raised domestic products no in this country in dom- yeah domestically okay. no and um and we're still actually the only folks that that do it still Wow. So the the so pasture. What did you do? How did you how did you find well, the right people? How did you how did you? Do well, that? like I said, I mean, it is really actually very difficult to source this. I bet. And it's it's my passion, and that's why I do it. Okay. I mean, it wasn't like ever a big money maker, and if it wasn't my, you know, if it wasn't like an activist thing, so if I was just a business person, then like then it. But probably... how did you go? Okay, so you were like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. How'd you make that next step? So um, so. My interest is in specifically grass-fed mm-hmm. meat um, because, I mean, as we all know, like too much, you were, t- you were asking Mitch Berliner mm-hmm. earlier about like climate change. Well, climate change is a huge deal in agriculture mm-hmm. and, um, and drought and flood and weird weather and, right. you know, farmers are not doing very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so one of the reasons for this, or like a huge reason, is because there's too much carbon in the atmosphere and too little carbon in the soil. Okay. We've actually depleted our soil by like half of its carbon in the last 200 years. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what you need. You need that carbon in the soil for good agriculture. Right. Um, and for good um mitigate like flood it helps with flooding it helps mm-hmm. with drought it holds water i mean there are you know right. for all these reasons that are coming about because of climate change so um so it's really important to have healthy soil and a big way to have healthy soil is to actually use animals um on pasture land to make that happen can i tell you something we've been doing doing this show for 10 years and yeah. we've had lots of people talk about Humane certified and yeah. pasture raised. I mean, yeah. we we've had farmers from all over the place. I have this is the very first time someone has said that one of the reasons that it's so important that pasture raised animals be incorporated into our farming way over big ag is not just like the point has always been because it's better for the animal. Right. But what you're saying is that it's better for the environment. It's better for agriculture. That's, that's, it. that's, that's, that's it. That's it. That's exactly it. That's fascinating. That's the term. So there's you a new. It. No, I made it up. <laughs> no. Isn't that right? There's a new certification uh-huh. called regenerative organic, okay. and it just came out in I think January um, by uh, Dr. Browners and um, Patagonia. Wow! <laughs> like got right. together. We're gonna take a quick break, that. and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the products that you're offering, how you're working with the farmers. Um, and where people can find your products. So this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We are totally getting an education this morning on uh, Pasture Raid's products that are kosher. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I want to thank our sponsors, ProFish, the fabulous market at River Falls in downtown Potomac, uh, Celebrity Cruises, and Central Farm Markets. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. So All right, so let's, let's get, get back to Cold Foods. Yeah, so, okay, so thank you for the education earlier in the show about uh, pasture-based, yes, all of that. So now now you ha- you, you've created this business where mm-hmm. you actually have products that are pasture-raised, gluten-free, yeah. and are kosher. When we were reading your information, one of the things we thought that was especially interesting, David was like, gluten-free, it's meat. But if it's corn, f- uh, I mean, if it's grain-fed... Then it's not gluten-free, right? 
Is that how that works? Well, um, we do have actually a lot of people who have like corn allergies mm -hmm. that will only buy from us because the animals have not eaten corn. Corn, right? Um, so, but um, yeah, and we have all these value-added products. We have jerky, and we have you know mm -hmm. sausages and hot dogs and all sorts of things. And all that we have to, you know, make sure are like nitrate free and 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 we work really hard at making sure that is. Mm -hmm. um, the, that's an interesting question about like gluten free. I think, you know, with the USDA definitions, I think they'd say, yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, even if, you know, they but if you have corn. a gluten, if you don't know the answer, it's fine. But if you I, had a gluten allergy and you ate a grain finished we Animal. do have a lot of people who come to us for that reason. Okay, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So their doctors are saying that. I don't know as the USDA would say that, but right. their doctors but their are doctors saying are you saying should that. just have yeah grass-fed meat. Okay. So where do people like? So that was my question. Who, where do you find this stuff? Where do you find it? We're online. Okay, you're online. So mm -hmm. you're not in stores. We are in a couple some stores, mm -hmm. um, but mostly like you just meet, we people order it online like you do you know amazon or right. omaha steaks yeah yep. okay, and so we ship out we have these really cool they're non-styrofoam coolers that you can compost oh mm -hmm. boy can we talk about your so who are you working with for your products like who where did you find your farmers and who's creating your sausages and who's creating who's creating all your products so um i mean the basically i do some sourcing full-time okay so and I have for 10 years mm -hmm. and it's just it's super complicated mm -hmm. if you include both the kosher and the grass-fed and all these like it you sounds know, it it's it's really really tricky mm -hmm. um so I'm I'm doing this all the time I'm going to conferences that have regenerative um regenerative like grass-fed ranchers I was I was just in rapid city South Dakota mm -hmm. at a conference um, around that. So I'm I'm always sourcing. The um, it's the fracking capital of America right now. Okay, it, that's yeah. not what we're talking about though. <laughs> okay. um, and then and then the we work with a bunch of different um, different folks that butchers that do like jerk make jerky, make sausages, um, and we send them our meat and they make it out of, out of our meat. We send, we, we send them our specs that it, you know, it can't have nitrates. Can't it's have supposed it. to have taken a lot of work. Pretty yeah. impressive. Well, like I said, I mean, I, it usually is pretty, like the sourcing of your product is easier than, you know, people are usually looking for customers. We're always looking. We never have enough product for our customers. We have too many customers. I, have to, I, would, have. I would have yeah. to imagine that there, there is a huge need for this there and it is. just seems to me that it it all goes hand in hand with each other like if you were to think about it from the outside in i mean what kosher meat is already expensive yeah you know what i mean yep. and one of the biggest complaints about pasture raised is the added cost yeah so it kind of goes hand in hand yeah it's it's you know i mean it's definitely like you like people are looking for it very and have specifically yeah very specifically and we get folks from california we have people you know we're shipping out across the country so mm -hmm. the word gets out so all right so since emily has dominated the conversation no, let's, let's no, let Deborah. her i know i know i'm gonna let i'm gonna let emily they, they give give us the web address for finding cold foods oh so we're at coldfoods.com k-o-l-f-o-o-d-s.com great okay um mentioned our uh how we ship things but we're also did you mention the blind club no, go ahead. Oh, so we, in a, about a dozen uh, cities around the country, we have buying clubs 
Um, people order a lot of meat at once. Uh, it saves on shipping. We're able to cut down. Oh, like a like so they order like amongst a group yeah. of people so they can split it yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, saves on shipping, idea. saves on packaging, and um, we do those before big holidays, um, the the Jewish holidays. We do it before Thanksgiving, and uh, we we just op- well we are opening up our um, New Year's our Rosh Hashanah buying club Excellent. this week. All right. Ooh. Thank you, guys. Thank All right. you. Thank, Thank you so much. It was really interesting. All Thank right. you so, so, so much. All right. So let's go back to Mark and Kristen and Ali. So, Will, uh, Mark. Well, I have a question. I just okay, want to know well, how many different. People finished about the Champagne Lounge. They wanted to talk about what the space looked like and how they okay. affected their concept. Just quickly. How many different Champagne cocktails do you serve? We have uh, 12 usually. Uh, mm-hmm. Six are sort of standard, and then we try to be seasonal. Um, Ali does a great job of getting fresh fruit and berries that are in season and this coming up with something mm-hmm. that complements those and that they complement as well. Okay, so. Okay, so we were talking in the very beginning of the show that you had a specific vision that you were looking for for the champagne lounge component of your property. What was it that you were looking to do? Well, we had come back from a trip to um, Champagne mm-hmm. where we had done a biking trip and that okay. kind of sort of inspired us a little bit more with champagne mm-hmm. um, in general. Mm-hmm. But um, we stayed at a hotel in Paris that was really Oh, everybody's been to Paris but us th- this summer. <laughs> a wonderful kind of bar area. And oddly, the other day, I was flipping through my phone, and you know how they put things up that has lo- news that's flashing or whatever? Right. And it said, Travelocity's world's most romantic hotel. And I looked at the picture. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a hotel. Oh. I saw in Suquette. And those so are the was pictures. It romantic? It, it was, was very, it's oh, a converted okay. brothel, just so we can clarify <laughs> that. It's very romantic. Uh, actually, uh, very that's romantic. a different show that I'm going to be starting <laughs> shortly. Okay. Um, but those were some of the uh, pictures and ideas I gave to Allison about mm-hmm. I wanted it classic, classy, almost art deco. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in Paris was that, you know, the velvet and the reds, but red is too bright for right. me. And um, so I took all the colors out of like a peacock. So it's right. the teals and blush Blues. and yeah. So pretty. And she was able to create the effect yeah. you were looking for. did a great job because it was a butcher shop. Right. So. So, <laughs> so there was a lot of work to be done. There was a lot of work <laughs> okay. to be done. All right. Ali, why don't you step up to the mic and tell us what you're making next, please. Next, we will be making a lemon cello sparkle. Okay. Elderflower, mm-hmm. uh, lemoncello, and it's top, topped off with sparkling wine. Excellent. Okay, when we come back to you guys Sounds at the end okay of the show, we'll yeah. talk about sort of what the menu looks like and what people can have. All right, at Michelle, the let's start talking. Hi, Michelle. 13, Hello. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So, so I want to start with first, Jen Corvato came on, was on our show years ago when we did our first live remote with. Uh, Early Mountain Vineyards. Yes. Right, because she was doing Let's the... Let's drop a name. That's Steve Case's Vineyard right. in Madison, Virginia. There yes, It looks correct. more like Disney World than a vineyard. <laughs> it's so fabulous. And you were there, right? I you was were, there as well, yes. You were Jen and I have there? gone way back. Right. Um, even before then, but yes, we worked there together as okay, well. Okay, because she was doing all the menus down there, and it was really fabulous. But she was a private sh- a personal chef at that she point, She was right? a private personal chef. She did catering. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, she, she was called in to do the menu at Early Mountain for the kitchen. Okay. I was called in to do the wine program. Um, we feature wines. We featured wines from all over Virginia in addition to our vineyard wines. Right. So, yes. And then okay. she wrote a cookbook. Then she wrote Olive Oil, Sea Salt, and Pepper. Right, which we also had her in for. <laughs> yes. So when did she 
open up this restaurant because I feel like it's kind of new. It's very new. So this is the Georgetown Inn, the, mm -hmm. the restaurant connected to the, to the Daily Georgetown. Grill, where right? I used to, that Correct. Was the only place to have breakfast in Georgetown. Yes. And we still do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know you do. Um, brunch on the weekends. But mm -hmm. yes, she, a friend of hers is the hotelier. Mm -hmm. um, is that the right word? Yeah. Hotelier? Sure. Um, well, I, hotel I, owner. I haven't pronounced anything right all day, so what the hell difference is it? <laughs> right. His name is Nan Patel, and she did some private chef stuff for him as well. Mm -hmm. And he said, I need help with this restaurant. We want to turn it around. We need... We well, it, was this after the Daily Catch had closed? Yes, the Daily okay. Grill had Daily closed. Grill. Daily Grill. Yes. Daily Grill. Okay. And she came in as a consultant, mm -hmm. and then he said, do you want this to be yours? Right. And um, eventually she said yes. Okay. So. Yeah, because that's a, a big change, right? Yes. But big it's change. a lot of pressure because it's seven days a week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, plus brunch. Yes. Jen doesn't sleep. Mm -hmm. No. No. And it's her, yes. So what was her... Because she has a very specific style of cooking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very um, no muss, no fuss, but very uh, well-composed dishes. Um, so what? how did she, what was she looking to do with the menu here? She's looking to do what she does best, which is simply prepared mm -hmm. using local sustainable ingredients. Mm -hmm. And when I came back and tasted her food, it made me realize, you know, what I love so much about her. She's so talented. You never need... It's always the perfect temperature if it's a protein, mm -hmm. and the spice or the the salt and pepper. It's perfectly seasoned. Mm -hmm. She just wants to do simple, healthy, local, and do it well. Okay. Well, but when you're working with um, a hotel yes. restaurant and uh, you're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I also assume uh, room service. Correct. Right. I mean, that's a. Those are a lot of components. How are you able to source local when? You have that much food to serve. I mean, is that hard to do? It's hard and it's mm -hmm. expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but that's Jen's focus on quality. Okay. And, um, you know, in the beginning she thought, well, I need to cater to what they want. Mm -hmm. And I think our vision moving forward is she wants to do what she does best. Okay. And offer everyone a change. We're doing, you know, we have a lot of plans for the future, especially for the fall. Mm -hmm. um, doing a lot of events, wine dinners, uh, okay. pairing dinners. Okay. Well, Social I know. Well, you're a psalm, so um, let's talk a little bit about what you're bringing to the table. Like, I know you're the GM too, but did you get to play with the wine list? Were there things you were looking to add to the menu? <clears throat> yes. Well, I just came on board about two weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> but yes, the vision. But you guys go way back. But so we go on. way back. So my vision with the wine list is going to be the same with her. You know, we want to be adventuresome and fun. Right. But present it in a way that's not intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of educational events, but showcasing, again, wines that are small production, locally sort. I mean, not locally. Yes, we will, do, we will focus on Virginia wines for sure. I was going to say, you know enough about Virginia yes, wines. Yes, right. but also other producers throughout the world who are focusing on sustainability and mm -hmm. um, quality control, smaller production. Okay. Interesting and fun. Okay. That's well, what that we want to be. fantastic. Now, you brought in some interesting things today. What did yes. you bring in? We should in? really take a break first and then. You want to do that first? Yeah, let's do that now. Then we can talk okay, about all Okay. All right. This well, food. then we'll talk about that later. About okay. that. This is David and Nikki Nellis yeah. with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And we are talking about 1310 Kitchen and Bar in Georgetown, mm -hmm. Jen Cabato's new restaurant. So, Michelle, um, I, this, I mean, this is like a whole breakfast in a... It's in, brunch in a chalice. Uh, okay, as, can you get on that? I mean, it's <laughs> yes. fried chicken, it's bacon, it's a Bloody Mary. Yeah, what do we got going on here? It's hail, hail Bloody Mary. Okay. 
Um, we're featuring Absolute Elixir. Mm -hmm. uh, we're featuring them as well because they portion of their proceeds goes to Water for People, okay. providing hundred over a hundred thousand people with healthy water. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, this is Jen's version of liquid brunch. <laughs> but okay. it's buttermilk fried chicken, um, applewood smoked bacon. So much fun! Yes, yeah, so much fun, and poured and in the, the chalice. The what kind of Bloody Mary is it? A spicy Bloody Mary? What are we talking? It's about? It's our special secret Bloody Mary mix. It's secret, super it's secret, very okay. super secret. Okay. Sergio, our bar manager, is um he won't divulge the secret recipe, but it's delicious. I can assure you that. I have no doubt. You'll have to come back and try it. Come by and try it. it. Well, I will. I will. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, do take a hit of it. Okay. Um, and let's just talk. So, what else did you bring in today? So we also brought in um, Jen's uh, quinoa salad, mm -hmm. um, quinoa kale salad. So this is. I do think of her cooking as healthy, healthy, in not a negative way. I mean, you know, like I just always think of her cooking as sort of light and fresh, and and like with a a little bit of a health component to it. A, a big health component. She's very um, focused on that, and I I don't know anybody else who can make kale taste this good when it's raw. Right. Make and I ask her tough. about that. Yeah. But I mean, everybody puts it on their menu, but it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's good. Right. Totally she Somehow you. the bitterness is extracted. No, I think the number one key is to chop it up. When you have those big pieces of kale. Right. Yeah, because local you weed. cook all the time. We have to have the local organic kale mm -hmm. to start. Um, but she uses a lemon honey vinaigrette, which is really just um, well, lemon. You know what? Everybody in the studio is eating it. What I do know, we think? Yeah. What, is, what do we think? They're nodding. Yeah, we're getting a thumbs up. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That's probably because they're all afraid of Jen. <laughs> we have some pomegranate seeds, Fuji apple, Fiji apples, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, the quinoa, cooked quinoa. Right. And um, what am I missing? Sliced almonds. No, it looks but it's beautiful. delicious. Yeah, it looks really beautiful. But I have, I mean, I have this list of the, br uh, the brunch menu for Saturday and Sunday. It's served yes. all day. It is really unbelievable. So, I mean, Banana stuffed challah, French toast, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, bacon and eggs, flatbread with creme fraiche. Car I, I mean, th this the whole toast menu is crazy. Toast options with a cashew butter, pomegranate, coconut toast, and I know, but you Robialina. do know that like toasts are really in. Right? I know, but like, I mean, that's the, a, huge the, the, a white yes. anchovy toast. I'm there. And then you have something like Israeli shakshuka on mm -hmm. her menu, which I don't you know, know what that is. What yeah, is it's, it's, it's cooked in tomatoes. Tomatoes is feta with eggs. Cilantro. It mm -hmm. comes with an egg on top and oh, toast right. to dip it. It's delicious. Right. Like it's it's you know so she's breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner um, Tuesday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then brunch on Saturday and Sunday. We're closed Sunday and Monday for dinner. Okay. All right. Is she working on another cookbook? We hope so. Right. But okay, for now, you should grab a restaurant. I know, I know, I know, but that cookbook, it was a great cookbook. For now, you should still grab a copy if you don't right, have one. Right. Olive oil, sea salt, and pepper, it's fantastic. It is a great book. And yeah. we can also find you at the restaurant as well? Yes, you can find me there. We're going to have a lot of events going on this fall, so okay. check, uh, well, check us out on Facebook. Us and on absolutely. That and tell Jen we're sorry we missed her today, but um, hope to have her in another time. Excellent. Okay. She says hello She's as well. Great. Thank you. Brunch. Thanks right. so much. Yes, she is cooking brunch. All right. <laughs> So let's go back to Ms. Peacock and all yes. of that. This drink is great, this limoncello. It's Was really this... loving. It's what? I said it's really lovely. It is really, I would never say really lovely. That's <laughs> a girl kind of thing to say, but mm -hmm. it's good. I love it. So, Thank you. 
I mean, talk to me a little bit about your process. Do you literally sit back in a room somewhere and just start pouring stuff together? I feel like you already asked well, that I question. Well, I did, but I mean, I want to <laughs> hear about it. And I think that there are because... other questions that might be All right, more interesting ahead. since Forget we already answered questions. it before. I, I'm fascinated <laughs> with how you come up with this and decide it's good. Okay, let's talk about your uh, product availability at the bar. So, like, since, as Mark said earlier, we have, you have all sorts of sparkling. So how do you go about curating that list? Um. We left it into Mark and Kristen's hand. Okay, so why don't you guys um, come up to the mic so we can answer that question. Uh, fortunately, I need um, you in front of the mic, please. I'm oh, sorry. That's okay. uh, fortunately, the wine distributor that we work with uh -huh. has been really good at helping us. Uh -huh. um, I would love to do small producers. However, it's we have to kind of appeal to the masses. And also, I want to make it approachable for everybody. And a lot of people don't want to be spending the kind of money you do on two champagnes. So mm -hmm. um, I really want to be representational of uh, not just we've got some California, we've got some Virginia, we've got some Oregon, um, some New Zealand, mm -hmm. Australia, um, and then different varieties throughout Well, how um, much does the France. champagne impact the taste of the thing? When you've mixed in, for example, limoncello and, and all of that, aside from the bubble effect, does I mean, can you really can a, can the average Joe tell the difference between? Well, that's what I asked earlier. I asked when no. you're you, when you're so, making a cocktail, like you're not going to use a very expensive. No, we it, tend to use either um, a cava or mm -hmm. a prosecco. Right. Um, it would really be a waste. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's you know, I I always I've, I've been in the bar business for quite a long time, and mm -hmm. I always. Um, I'm amused when somebody comes in and would like a Red Bull and vodka, and it's got to be Gray Goose. I'm like, you're putting you Red Bull it. in it. Right. What you difference does it, it make? It, doesn't do it, right. it is really fascinating. Start canning that, actually. Right. <laughs> um, no. For instance, we have a, a, a great uh, mimosa cart, champagne cart that mm -hmm. we offer at any time, but a lot of people, it's very popular for um, bridal engagement parties, bridal showers, baby showers. Um, and, you know, everyone, you know, wants to be impressive, and they're like, ooh, let's do. You know, let's do the Vouv Clicquot, and we're like, well, no, we have this pour? Chateau Saint Michel. Right. Get a couple bottles of the Vouv, drink it pure. Mm -hmm. That's it's delicious. It's about as good as you can get. Uh, you know, especially for the price, but don't you know, quote unquote, pollute it with this other stuff. No, I'm I mean, totally with you. I mean, it just doesn't make sense when you're pouring a product that's a that pricey, but b the the taste the taste is not going to add or detract from you adding things into it. And quite frankly, um, you know, the Prosecco is mm -hmm. is more bubbly than the champagnes it in general. It has a harder bubble. And that works better in a lot mm -hmm. of these cocktails. Uh, but let me ask you, and this can also go to Ali. I mean, one of the things we've discussed on the show before with other people is that over the years, as Prosecco has gotten more popular in the D.C. market, well, in the United States market, it's also become sweeter. Um, and so do you find when you're mixing your cocktails that you're looking for a what drier is the champagne? There? How has it become sweeter? Well, I mean, why does it? Why did it become Because sweeter? they think it's more appealing to the American palate. Oh. Um, Ali's nodding. So you must be right. You must be right. I mean, it's true. So when you're looking to mix a sparkling with your cocktails, are you looking for a drier? Yeah, palate? definitely. We're looking for something a little bit more drier than sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want the we don't want the sparkling to impact the drink itself because right. we do add syrups, um, different types of lime juice or different mm -hmm. types of liqueur that's sweet. Mm -hmm. So we try to go with the most basic one that we can find because, as Mark said, um, really doesn't impact it if you put any kind of different uh, sparkling in there. Right. Um, it's the cocktail itself that. All right. So Mark, you guys have a couple of other places. You want to talk about those? Yeah, just quickly. 
Um, sure. As I said, I've been doing this for quite a while. I mean, mm -hmm. one of my big mainstays in uh, D.C. is uh, Buffalo Billiards yep. down on 19th Street. Yep. Um, for many, many years, we had a, a great place in Arlington called Carpool, which we've moved out to Fair Aww. Lakes. Aww. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful building when they're done developing it. But <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that I am very much enjoying about the new boardroom is that it's my first opportunity really to focus on a kitchen. Um, mm -hmm. We have a lot of different menus there. We have a regular boardroom menu. Miss Peacock's has its own menu. We have a brunch menu at the boardroom, and we have a catering menu because we do so many parties. Um, you know, a, a lot of the places in D.C. don't even have kitchens. Uh, the original boardroom, Rocket Bar, for instance, Atomic Billiards, they don't have kitchens. We, we don't serve food. Um, Buffalo Billiards serves food. It's, it's great, but it's a small kitchen, so it's somewhat limited. So this is a real opportunity to get involved with the menu, and I find it great that there's a kale and quinoa salad which our chef has on the menu i'm mm -hmm. like oh we must oh, be doing something right <laughs> <laughs> um but it was the first uh chance i had to really do a kitchen and knowing what my limitations are we brought in um Who's matt baker chef? chef matt baker who's From just opened, yes yeah. oh did he get on your menu we were He's very, very yeah. fortunate really yeah. in all the delays he had yeah. working with DC Somebody and everything else. Benefits. Yeah. Not him, but you certainly <laughs> right. did. So he had some time and was able to consult and put our menu together and help Great. put the staff in place. So um, I'm very proud of the menu and can boast to everyone that I'm not in charge of it. So right. you can take great so, confidence. Well, now, now that he's opened up his restaurant, is he still able to consult, like to make sure the menu is executed the way it should be? Because he's pretty picky. Uh, he's very picky, and he he hired our head chef mm. uh, miguel and chef miguel has now been Fantastic. you know tasked with i hate to do this but the show over. is over in a minute and a half quickly where is the the boardroom with miss peacock's lounge mm -hmm. it is Definitely. in clarendon 925 north garfield street right. uh 10th and washington yep mm -hmm. um and miss peacock's has sort of a speakeasy entrance around the side but you can get to it through the boardroom cool. All right. Excellent. All right. So the show's over the so show quickly. Is over. Everything you heard about on the show today, you can find on Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com. Mm -hmm. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, pick her up live on WTOP every Thursday at 1240. And True. I think that's it. Yeah. Got a mini little media empire. Little media in. empire. I'm going to retire. And you totally forgot to tell people about our show tomorrow. Industry Night with Foodie and the Beast. Which is live at the Line Hotel. We're actually having Allison Cook from CORE join us tomorrow. We're going to talk about the latest in design elements that are hitting the D.C. market uh, in restaurants and other architecture. You can hear that on fullserviceradio.org. Exactly. So we want to thank all of our guests for joining us live in studio today. Incredible food, great drinks, a little bit of an education. So and kale. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Next week's show, we have a special guest. Sam Nellis is coming in.